Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. We have ignition. Strap in.
And I wouldn't mind it because you know what? They kicked me out of that room great. Guess what? I'm 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 famous. If I get to stay, yeah. guess what? I'm respected. Either way I win. Either way. It's true. That's like that's like nothing to lose. And and what was funny the other night, Jonathan, is after our show, Sunday night, we talked about why ESPN ratings have gone down and everything. And isn't it funny, like, two days later, Clay Travis is talking about this? And I swear nobody else is talking about it, but it's been a month or so since anybody's mentioned it, or two months, but all of a sudden, when the firings happen, but all of a sudden, Clay Travis comes out and talks about it. Is he listening to William Sports Talk? Uh, no, Clay Travis, he probably does. Um, I mean... <laughs> You know, Clay Travis right now needs to look at his own backyard because Fox just fired every every writer that they have on their site because apparently um, Americans are illiterate and uh, and they only want to uh, watch videos. They don't want to read articles. So <clears throat> I uh, look sports media as a whole. If your sports journalism as a whole is in trouble. Um, sports writers are becoming a dying breed rather quickly. That for some reason, they want everything to go to video. Now, supposedly, and from what I understand, it's cheaper to sell ads on videos, but if nobody's watching your videos, like, people aren't going to sell you ads. Let's just put that out there. And I guess Fox was like, well, we're just going to jump ahead and we're not going to have any, if we don't have any articles, then you have to watch the videos. Well, nobody likes that. So I'm interested to see where all this goes. Um, I know there are some writers who caught on with Sports Illustrated, but there are some, still some good college football people out there who aren't going to be affiliated with anybody come fall. I know. I mean, it's, it, journalism is over. I mean, there's no – and there's no – there in politics and sports, there's no honest journalism, good writings anymore. I mean, think about it. When's the last time you've gone to ESPN, CBS, and read a good article? I'm just trying to think of when the last time I was. I'm being honest. I don't I don't see them anymore. You know, it's funny because there's certain writers who I'll check on what they have. Like, okay, ESPN, there's two guys I always go to, and that's David Hale, who does the ACC stuff there. Uh, he always just finds really cool well, yeah, sure. I mean, he also finds just, like, cool, obscure facts, and that's the kind of, you know what I mean, it's the kind of weird, random trivia stuff that, that piques my interest. And then Brett McMurphy, obviously, because, you know, he was the Adam Schefter of college football. You know, he broke all the news um, to a degree. I mean, CBS, boy, I can't tell you. I can't. I mean, Fox, Bruce Feldman, and Stuart Mandel, I, I, ch- I check in on. Um, you know, but I mean, CBS, I can't tell you the last time I was like, Hmm, let me go see what so-and-so saying. And I mean, I, there's some of the writers that I pay attention to on Twitter, but there's nobody that you're like, got to listen to that guy. That guy knows what's going on. And you know, funny thing about CBS when Vern, he's gone now, right? It, their ratings are going to struggle a little bit or it's going to be less. Vern Lundquist and he's not a writer, but he's a, He's good entertainment, him and Danielson are. I think they're going to struggle a little bit. And they're going to miss Vern Lundquist, even though he's stupid at times. He says the wrong things. I mean, I know you like Vern. I know you're a big Vern fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to miss uh, – I'm going to miss listening to Uncle Vern. There's no doubt about that. But, um, you know, Brad Nessler had, was, was awesome at ESPN. And, you know, it, it's hard to find somebody to uh, – 
to replace Vern, but if you told me Brad Nessler was going to be the following act, I would. I, I have no complaints about that. I, you know, I, I like I like and respect Brad Nessler. I think he's excellent at calling football games. So you know, I'll still tune in, but it, it won't be. It won't be the same. I agree. Yeah, it's going to be different. It's going to be it's going to be hard to uh, to get in there and and watch. I mean, Gary Danielson to me is good. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, he can break down a football game. The he does the he does the details. He's he's a guy that goes behind the scenes a little bit and breaks down something for you. And then I just don't think people appreciate appreciate that much, Jonathan. Well, I mean, I got to be honest. I'm not the biggest fan of, of of Gary. I've never thought him to be some sort of uh, expert or somebody that you know he I, I, he he really gets my attention. Um, you know, I mean, there are certain things where I I you know, he you listen to him, you're like, wow, you know, this this guy obviously knows his job, and he puts a lot of homework and time into it. But there are other times where I, I just I'm just not a fan, um, but I can put up with him. He's not bad. I like some of the others that we know of that are just horrible. Yeah, I like O'Gary. I guess because you're so used to hearing him. But one thing about Gary is he will jump on the bandwagon of a team like Alabama. And, man, even Faubert and LSU are playing. All he's talking about is Alabama during that game, it seems like, or or something. He'll reference Alabama. Him and Gary both or Vern both will. I mean, it's interesting to see how he does with a new partner, how he does without Gary there or without Vern. I wonder if anybody's going to – I wonder if his partner's going to call him out if he if he says something he doesn't agree with. You know, Vern wouldn't call anyone out. Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about Vern was, you know, he spent so many years in the booth and doing the job that – yeah, you know, he wasn't afraid to say nothing to nobody about about anything that was going on, you know. Uh, and that that's always one thing you appreciate about Vern. And I I thought he was honest. I thought he called a good game. I mean, yeah, no, I get it. Like he had his slips at the end, and you know, it, what's sad is people don't look at that and go, "Man, it's a shame." You can tell he's starting to lose it a little, you know, because I mean, you could you're you're great at something for only so long. It's kind of like when you watch Peyton Manning and you finally had that moment of, "Oh, we can't make that throw anymore." That sucks. Everybody kind of, you know, there, there a lot of people instead of being like, oh, the, you know, somebody who's just been perfect at their craft for so long and starting to lose it, they want to jump all over you. And you're like, well, wait a minute. So we're just going to ignore the past, like, 30 years of Vern being great, 40 years of Vern being a great play-by-play guy, and also we're just going to hammer him. I, I, I didn't like how he was treated on the way out. Um, it's kind of the same way that Chris Berman was treated by a lot of people on the way out, especially in the Northeast, because apparently only – Satanists come from the Northeast, um, where you know, they they just jumped all over Berman, and it's like, as a kid, Chris Berman was the one who you know hit that four minute special, that five four five minute special before the Sunday night game, where he got you up to speed on what happened around the league. You know, Berman was 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 one of the best of his craft. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, switching gears just a little, what did you think of California's law that said? You know the, the the travel ban to Alabama, Texas, South Dakota, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, Mississippi, and Kansas. So all the state schools of California, not Southern Cal or Stanford, but like UCLA, some of those other guys, Jonathan, they can't travel. So that means they can't play games in these 
in these states. And, and the question is, what if you know the, you know, what if uh, when we look at these states, what if Texas, for instance, is hosting a playoff or something, and UCLA makes it? What's going to happen? Are they not going to be able to go? Um, from what I understand, when this popped up last year, because last year when they started it, I think it was Kansas and Tennessee and Nebraska and, uh, you know, Tennessee, uh, UCLA uh, played their Sweet 16 game in Memphis. It was a Sweet 16 or a round of 32, whatever, the game against Kentucky. They played that in Memphis. Um and I don't think we need to give a geography lesson here. We know where Memphis is. And people were like, well, wait a minute. Why did UCLA, you know, why did the state of California allow UCLA to go to Memphis? That's in Tennessee, and they're not supposed to go about And the state of California came back with, well, we didn't plan that. So we're like, okay. So what you're saying is, is you can't, we can't schedule games in those states. So UCLA can't call Alabama and do a home at home. And or they can't neutral site them in, in Dallas, right? But if uh, if they if UCLA were to make the playoff, and let's say uh, the semifinal game was at the Cotton Bowl, they would the state of California would say, well, we didn't have control over that, so who are we? You know, you can play. They're not going to make their teams not play there. They're just going to try and change it, fix the schedule. And th- this whole thing is they they don't like the politics that these states have. It's all come down to mainly um, bathroom law, believe it or not. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and uh, they don't like the state's politics when it comes to who's allowed to go in bathrooms, I guess, or who's not. I don't know. Anyway, it's stupid. And they're going to put their foot L- down. They're going to stomp and stamp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, guys, hey, you don't agree with another state's politics? That's fine. That's the whole point of, like, states having their own rights. Like, deal with it. Um, and B, UCLA and them thinking that they're not scheduling games with schools and in, in, in their states is going to affect something. It ain't. I'll tell y'all right now, it ain't. Alabama and Auburn are not sitting there crying because Stanford and UCLA ain't coming down south. Look, neither one of them teams are going to make that phone call anyway. Um, You know, and like, oh, is it going to affect the smaller schools? No, because, you know, Rice, you're not going to go to Texas and play Rice. You're going to have Rice come play you. You know, so, I mean, you know, the school that I guess it would affect the most if you're going to look at it would be somebody like a uh, San Diego State as far as their non-conference scheduling, because everybody seems to forget that they played at South Alabama last year. Um, uh, so how how it affects them scheduling-wise, how it would affect uh, uh, San Jose State, you know, the, the mid-tier schools in California, because it is. It's going to affect how they're able to uh, non-conference schedule. Yeah, like you said, who cares about you? Said, those teams mentioned, nobody cares about anyway. I mean, if, if USC was in there, right. it would be different, but – it's UCLA. They're never going to do anything anyway. And Stanford's the same way. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Go nine and three? I mean, really? Who cares? There's not a bowl game that they could play in or, or go anyway. Stanford never leaves, never leaves their state, do they? For out of conference games anyway. I don't name, name the last time Stanford traveled for a, for a game that was out of state. Notre Dame besides conference games. Well, that's a rivalry. You're right. Good job. But name another. <laughs> um, ooh, um, 
I can't. Make me uh, look bad. Be, Make me look bad. <laughs> I mean, they play Notre Dame every. It's you know, it's kind of like you know, Florida State and and Florida. I, it doesn't really count, but it does. You know. Um, I mean, no, and I'm wrong about Stanford. They're a private school, so they don't matter in this. Um, so it's UCLA, San Diego State, San Jose State, Fresno State, and I think that's actually it. Am I missing a school in yeah. California? Uh, probably, but it's okay. Don't worry about it. Cal. Cal. Oh, yeah. yeah, Berkeley. Cal. There we yeah. go. Who, who, I mean, because Berkeley is the one who's had the fall of scheduling. They're the ones who they'll play Duke and they'll go play Northwestern and they'll go play Tech. Cal will kind of play anybody that calls them. Um, I've noticed they've kind of only been answering calls from other prestigious academic institutions, which is mm-hmm. funny considering everything going on at Berkeley tells me some. Anyways, um, so, but uh, they're the one I feel that's actually the most affected by this. So, I mean, UCLA, they played at A&M last year. So, I mean, it, it will affect, you know, teams. You know UCLA and Cal as far as scheduling other other big, big boy schools, if you will. And I think what you're gonna what they're gonna have to do is start scheduling Big Ten teams. Like everybody's been trying to get a Big Ten, Pac-12, um, non-conference thing every year, just like they're doing basketball or football. So it is what it is. I don't really care, to be honest well, with you. If California wants to throw a tantrum and say we're not gonna play in your state, good. Don't come. I don't want your people anyways. Yeah, we don't want them. Well, let's play a game, Jonathan. This is I know how you like gambling. I know how people that listen to this show love to bet on games and you can't look. You gotta promise me you won't look anywhere. Okay. What I'm asking. This is over and under. I want you to guess the over and under and and then I'll tell you what Vegas has it at, then you can see if you want the bet or not. Alabama, what do you think their win total is for the year? Regular season only. No SEC championship, nothing like that. Ten and a half. See, I thought it would be that, too. It's 11, and it's a minus 140 juice. I'm going under 11 all day long for Alabama. Yeah. Good God. I know. If you go – if you do, if they go ten and two, I'm gonna put probably five hundred on that one. You get you'll win six hundred bucks or something. But I mean, that's crazy. There's no way they won the I mean, table. No, that, and that's the only that's it. The only way you win this bet is minus one forty. Now, if you put a hundred, that means you lose one forty if Alabama goes ten and two. So if they don't run the table, or no, hold on, if they go eleven and one, you push. So right. there are pushes in this, but. All right, here's another one. Let me give you Arkansas Razorbacks. Let's see close. You're, you're close. You're a half game off on Alabama, so congratulations. You and I are both going under, right? Uh, yeah, I'll take the under on Bama just because, I mean, I'm banking on a push. I don't – I'd like to bank right. on them going 10-2. I mean, that'd, that'd make me very happy, and you know why, but uh, – 9-3. and three. Arkansas. Mark it down. Let's see, Arkansas. Arkansas won. Arkansas won seven games last year, right? Was it seven, six? I don't know. They brought back their quarterback. You know, let's go with their over under at seven and a half. It's seven, and I'm I'm actually liking the under for Arkansas. I don't think 
I don't think they win seven games this year. That defense has gotten worse. They've lost some people. They do have a quarterback, but again, they're playing in the SEC where Mississippi State is going to be better. LSU, Auburn, Alabama. So I don't see them getting seven wins. I'm going to go under that. Um, you know that seems like a good play. To be honest, not not like they usually win more than seven until you get to the bowl game, right? Uh, that's seven, really. Why are they picking round numbers? I'm I'm actually going to stay. You know, if you're going to tell me I have to, I'm going to take the under. Uh, it does scare me though that they're Allen's coming back. You know, considering the state of quarterback play in the SEC as a whole. He can take advantage of uh, a team like LSU if their offense doesn't improve. Uh, he could take advantage of a, a, a Mississippi State, in all honesty, because their defense was so bad. Ole Miss, you know, so I think Arkansas has some talent. Now, obviously, their defense ain't no good either, so that's that's their issue. We'll see what we'll see what Quinn thinks. Quinn, what do you think of Arkansas seven games? Ooh, uh, I think that's actually right on. I, I think Arkansas goes seven and five. So six and six here. Here's my favorite one, Jonathan. Auburn is. What do you think it is? Nine and a half. It's actually eight and a half at a minus one forty. You know? Okay. All right. I get it. They're future bets. <laughs> And they really don't want people placing a lot of them, even though guys like me place like 40 of them every year um, and have done well. Um, look, I get this, okay? But when you juice them like that, usually what happens is somebody like me is like, fine, here's a quarter. Fine, here's a quarter. Fine, here's a quarter. I'm not going to throw a whole uh, a bankroll on it, but I'll throw quarters on it. I'm still going to get you. Okay, and what will wind up happening is somewhere along the line is I'll double up on them. Like, <laughs> 2014 Florida State, I doubled up on on them running the table throughout the regular season. That was easy. Like, just to finish 12-0, boys, boom, finish 12-0. And, and I, I had it, like, four times. Yeah. Well, well Quinn, I think this, this should be a nine. That's where I think Vegas should have this. I think Auburn will be better than that, but – Mostly the public looks at that nine and three all per regular season. I think anything less than that would be a huge disappointment. I think it will get Gus Malzahn fired. So I'm going to go over. What do you think, Cliff? Yeah, I'll say over too. Here's another lock, Clemson, Jonathan. What do you think they're they're set at? Um. Let's see. Everybody has them going nine and three. They're at nine and a half. They're going to make you debate them them winning nine or ten games. Nine and a half. That's exactly what it is. And I have them going. Yeah. I have them going under Quinn. I have Clemson yeah. at nine and three. Okay. I have Clemson at eight and four. So I take the under. Okay. Okay. Jonathan. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm taking the the under as well. I think um, I I think that they have a tough schedule, um, especially when they're breaking in a new quarterback. I could see them losing to uh, two playoff teams this year at home. Um, 
And um, I think that they can still tri- – there's another game between North Carolina State, between Louisville, um, even South Carolina, if they really don't get the quarterback thing figured out where they could stumble. So, there's a, to me, there's a guaranteed three losses on their schedule, which, by the way, for a rebuilding year, is still a very good year. Well, here, here's one that really surprised me, and, and this has surprised me. So, Jonathan, you pick what do you think the over-under will be. Quinn will tell me first what he thinks, then you'll come back. Florida State, Jonathan, set the win total. Vegas, don't, not, not a fan, but what do you think? For Vegas? Yep. You know, okay, you can't say twelve and a half. You know, there's only twelve. No, games. I'd love to. Um, <laughs> it, let's see, it's not eleven and a half. Uh, you know, I'm willing to bet it. Mm, close numbers was nine and a half. You know, I'm gonna go eight and a half. No, don't do that. You're crazy. Why would you put Florida State at eight and a half? That's insane. Just, just have a feeling that Vegas uh, doesn't like the offensive line. It's nine and a half, Quinn. And uh, Jonathan, you oh. pissed me off. I thought you was going to go ten and a half. But that's no, surprising for Florida State. I think the problem is Alabama, Quinn. I think I think that first mm-hmm. game they're already counting a loss. So I'm thinking that, that they're maybe looking at two other games after that, maybe Quinn. But I'm, I, there's no way Florida State goes under nine and a half, Quinn. I'm going over for $1,000 on this one. Yeah, over for sure. I only see I only see Florida State losing the Alabama game. I see them going eleven and one. So well, if, if they do that, they're in the playoffs, and they're they're going to yep. get another shot at it. Jonathan, Jonathan, you got to go over nine and a half. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, look, the schedule sets up real nice. Uh, the only back to back games that that bother me are um, Miami and North Carolina State. Because they got them on the 16th and the 23rd, both they're at home. I mean, September's no cakewalk when you got Alabama, you get Miami, you get North Carolina State. And I, the nice thing is, is none of them are actually true road games. Uh, we don't go on the road to Wake Forest. Uh, the road schedule is really easy until you get to November when you got to go to Clemson and Florida. But you got Syracuse before Clemson and Delaware State before Florida. And I don't care what anybody says, Syracuse ain't trap gaming uh, Florida State. No, just stop that nonsense now. Um, Louisville is in Tallahassee this year. They're at Duke the week before. That's somebody that they've had a – I mean, Florida State's 19-0 all time against Duke. But there you go. Um, yeah. yeah right. no, I, I mean, I like Florida State to win a double digits. They're going to win at least 10 games. I guarantee you 10 games right now. All right. Well, Florida, Jonathan, is uh, – this one is – Kind of tricky. The Florida Gators is a little overrated. They got a quarterback from Notre Dame coming in. They people, I think, are are judging this team by great defense. But let's not forget that they're not going to have a great defense this year. They lost a lot of defensive must champs. They're gone now, and I think people are kind of just still. You know, you think Florida, you think defense here in the last few years. I don't think you get that this year. I think the offense improves slightly, but the defense takes a significant drop. So what do you think is going to be the win total? What do you think Vegas has it at? Well, I'll tell you this much. Whatever Vegas has it at, I'm probably – well, I haven't really dug into it too much, but I'd probably lean the under. 
uh, let's say they've won what ten and nine. Um, what is it? Eight and a half. It is eight. Eight. Yeah. And it's that makes sense. I mean, they've won ten games. They've won nineteen games in two years. Yeah, and the problem is, is they play in the East, so they'll probably lose nothing in the East, and then they'll probably lose to LSU and whoever they play in the West. So, Quinn, I'm going to go over with Florida eight. I think it may hit right on eight. I'm going over. I have them nine and three. I have them losing to Michigan the first game to LSU, and then I have them losing to Florida State. Well, see, so yeah, I'm just going to do a quick one. I have them losing to Michigan. They'll beat Northern Colorado. Tennessee is a eh. Um, just, I don't even want to look at it. It's in Gainesville. They get it. At Kentucky, which this is probably the best Kentucky team we've seen since 07. That's the year with Andre Woodson or 06. Um, Vanderbilt, LSU. I mean, the only road games are Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina. Like, that, that, that's that, that's a pretty manageable road slate. You know, you might be right. This, look, this does look like a nine-win schedule. Yeah. And it's probably enough to get them in the SEC championship game again, if I had to guess. They'll get yep. killed by whoever they play in the West. <laughs> so, Georgia, Jonathan? Georgia, Georgia well, Florida's eight. Georgia's got to be eight and a half. Yep, Georgia's eight and a half. And I'm going under and laughing my butt off. As I place this bet, Quinn. I mean, Georgia's going to lose to Auburn. We know that. They're going to lose to Georgia Tech. They're going to lose to Florida. They're probably going to lose to Tennessee. So there's there's four losses right there, and I'm just scratching the surface. Probably. Who do they play in the West this year? Besides Auburn. They play Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Mississippi State will beat them, too. So, I mean, this is an easy money if you want to take Georgia to under here. You get plus 115 if you go under 8.5. These guys will not win over eight games. So, I, I can promise you that unless something happens. That offensive line is terrible. So, Jonathan, over or under? 8.5. Right now, I'm going to lean under just because their road schedule – Kind of sucks with Notre Dame, Tennessee, Auburn, Georgia Tech, and then you still got to deal with Florida. Um, how Appalachian State comes to town? I mean, they're fun. Um, we've seen how they do going into other people's places early in the year. So yeah, I'm I'm only under. I mean, this team won eight games last year, so it, it's still somebody that if they if they won nine or ten, it doesn't surprise you, right? I mean, they're the favorite to win the SEC East, all because the Florida's got no quarterback. But as we've seen the last two years, nobody else can take advantage of that either. So, yeah. All right, Quinn, who do you like? Over or under? Under. I have them going 8-4. and four. I have them losing to Notre Dame, Tennessee, Florida, and Auburn. Okay, here's, here's one biggest screwed up. They got the over-under at LSU at nine games. And I'm telling you, they play Auburn, they play Alabama, they play A&M, they play at Florida. I mean, even Arkansas gives them trouble all the time, Jonathan. 
LSU doesn't win nine games this year. They're at eight and fourteen, maybe nine and three. So you'll push. LSU's getting a little bit too much love with no quarterback. I'm sorry, Danny Etling this year, and and it, it was okay last year because I think they went eight and four last year. But the thing is, the SEC has improved tremendously at quarterback, and that's what LSU did. And last year they could get by with it, and and survive and barely hang on. This year they're going to have to score some points, and I just don't think they do, Jonathan. I mean, I'm interested to see what Matt Canada does because oh, he made. Hell. Well, hold on now. He made Peterman look like a, a, a an NFL draft pick. And remember how bad Peterman was at Tennessee. So I mean, Canada runs a really good offense. You got the best defensive coordinator. I mean, I could see nine and three. I'm not, I'm not saying eleven and one, but I'm I'm saying I could see this team. Going zero and two in the state of Alabama, but finishing ten and two overall, or you know, going nine and I, I LSU still got a lot of talent. They still have maybe the best running back in in the conference, if not the country. Um, you know, and and Canada beat Clemson with smoke and mirrors last year. He beat Penn State, like his pit team beat some people. Um, so I I think LSU can win nine games. I don't think that's a stretch. So yeah. I'm gonna bank for the push. I am too. I think a push is in order here, Quinn. Jonathan's convinced me. I say over. I think they win at least uh, ten games. Man, have you been drinking tonight? No, I drank last night. (laughs) Here's one, Quinn, that surprised me. Quinn, here's one that surprised me. It made me have to take my glasses off and get the fog off of them, make sure there was no bugs on there, you know. Uh, Miami was nine games, over nine. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do I have Miami going? Jonathan, I'll flip it to you real quick. Miami, nine games. Oh. That's crazy. <laughs> Under. They don't have a quarterback. This is, this is, this is everybody forgetting that, oh, well, their defensive line's really good, and their linebackers look good, and their defensive backs look good, and I think they have some running backs and no quarterback. Like, you're, you're either going to start a freshman or, or, or uh, um, a walk-on. Like, that sounds – they're going to come to Tallahassee in week three with a quarterback who ain't never seen 85,000 people in one place at once. And they think they're going to win? Okay. All right, Pumpkin. Yeah, you're lucky to win eight yeah, games. Ain't playing for the ACC title. Quinn, I'm going on. Your, I'm going on your two. I have them going eight and four. All right. Now here's one that's tricky, uh, Jonathan, and I'm going to take over because I believe in Dan Mullen in Mississippi State. Five and a half for Mississippi State. I'm going to go ahead and give you their wins. Charleston Southern, Louisiana Tech, uh, BYU, Massachusetts, and Ole Miss. There's five. So now, take me a win out between LSU at Georgia, at Auburn, Kentucky, at A&M, Bama, at Arkansas. Mm, yeah. You know what? I can find a win or two there. Yeah, yeah, I got Kentucky okay. and possibly even Arkansas. Yeah, I'm with you. Quinn, who do you like? Over or under here? Five and a half. Oh, over. I have them one in six games. 
What kills me is Missouri's at six and a half, and Mississippi State's at five and a half. Wow. I guess it's because they play in the West. Um, here's a good one for you guys. I bet, I bet, I bet we'll all be on the same page with this one. Michigan, Jonathan, guess they're over nine. Uh, they're replacing 17 starters, including 10 on defense. <laughs> Boy, uh, you know what? Uh, I, and I don't know, I don't know what their uh, what their schedule looks like offhand, but I bet you it's nine. Yep, that is it is nine. And Quinn, I'm going under for Michigan this year. I think Florida may beat them that first game of the season. I I know people are high on Michigan and they think Harbaugh's the best, but like Jonathan said, they lost a ton. And uh, he's really benefited it. He's some senior leadership, some junior and seniors when he took over. And it's, I mean, I just think that's what it is. Now he's got to start over. And I think it's going to be a couple of years before you start hearing Michigan's name at playoff talk. Well, I, I think, uh, I think they actually go nine and three. I think Vegas got it right. And I'll say this, this is the beginning of their schedule. If they can get by Florida, then they play Cincinnati, Air Force at Purdue by week, Michigan State at home at Indiana. They get by Florida. The next five games are games for them to figure out. I mean, Michigan State will be tough probably since it's a rival game, but outside of that, I mean, that that first half sets up real nice for them. And then I think they lose at Penn State. I think they lose at Wisconsin. And then I think they lose uh, to Ohio State at home. All right, Jonathan. Oklahoma State, nine games. I've got to go over. Um. Yeah. I mean, nine? Really? Who? Yep. Why? That's low. And if it makes you feel better, Oklahoma's nine and a half. And I'm gonna go I'm gonna go under with that one too. I think Oklahoma's a nine and three team. Uh, I agree. Uh their schedule ain't that tough. Like uh, Yeah, but now there's anybody else in that conference, so let's throw that out. You know what I'm saying? Like Good point. You know, Oklahoma's got the most efficient quarterback for a single season ever in Baker Mayfield. You know, I get it. He's not going to have the running backs and that DD back, but it's not like they've had a hard time finding receivers and running backs. Um, that's always something they've been able to do. So, I mean, Ohio State, are they going to lose to Ohio – oh, my goodness. Oklahoma, are they going to lose to Ohio State? Yeah, probably. But other than Oklahoma State, who are they going to lose to? Texas? I mean, we, do we I do, you know I what? Have I, I see it. Texas. Why? Why? Why does anybody think Texas is going to be worth the dip? Why? <laughs> I don't get this. I mean, every year, every damn year we do this. Texas is back. Texas is back. Texas, no, they're not. They have Dude, no defense. They have no offense. Hey, let me explain this to you. Do you realize the last few years 
each year they've traded off between wins. It doesn't matter how good Texas is. It's a rivalry. You remember when you guys counted them out a couple years ago and called me crazy when I said Texas would beat Oklahoma and Texas beat them? Don't get it through your skull. It doesn't matter how good Texas is. They show up for that game. So they showed up once two years ago. Obviously, we're the ones who don't learn. Like, come on. Like, you don't bring some heat, bring some heat, Quinn. Right, bring some real heat. Okay. Don't bring the jalapeno. Like, bring me a ghost pepper. Okay. Give me the once. This is the last five. This is the last five years. I have it right huh? here. 2012, uh, Oklahoma won. 2013, Texas won. 2014, Oklahoma won. 2015, Tex- Texas won. 2016, Oklahoma won. So I, so I'm bas- so I'm doing this based off a of fact. And go. No, you're following a pattern, not a fact. There's a difference. Yeah, yeah, it's a pattern. It's a pattern, not a fact. <laughs> and and okay, the uh, no, and the game. The, the 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 real triple game for Oklahoma is at Kansas State the week after Texas. That's that's the real triple game. That Kansas State team looks kind of decent with it. a lot of guys returning, um, especially the quarterback. That's a trip up. Like you're following a pattern, and that's fine and all. Uh, 2013 didn't Oklahoma go eight and five? If I'm not mistaken. Um, no, they actually went 11 and 2, 14, they went 8 and 5. Uh, da, 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 let's see, there was the 24 17 game, I remember that one. You know, so, yeah, I mean, I get it, that happens in that game, and that game's fun for a reason. Um, but I, I just, I don't see why everybody, you know, shit, 13 was the last good year Texas had. They went 8 and 5. There we go. The last good year they had. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I just don't understand why, you know, oh, look, there's a pattern, I get that. But the pattern's going to change a little bit. Because in 13, the coaches who Matt Brown were in 17. Who's the coach? Tom Herman? You know, so, I, I mean, we're going to look at how the coaches have changed. And it's a neutral site game. So it's not like, you know, we're just switching between Norman and Austin. You know, we've got, you know, there's more to it than just there's this pattern over five years of them alternating. That's Neat, I like it, but there's more to it than just that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, well here's a lock right here, guys. Here's a lock. Ohio State, ten and a half. Should be about eleven with a juice minus one fifty five. Yeah. And Jonathan, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab I'm gonna just go ahead and pick it. Ohio State's going under. They're gonna do ten and two. <sighs> Who are the losses? Oh, that's easy. What, Hold Indiana? on, let me get the schedule. Oh, first <laughs> game of the year, of course. At Indiana on Thursday night to open it up, why not? Let's see. Oklahoma is a coin toss, really. I know that's in Ohio State, but, again, Oklahoma can score a lot. Um, at Nebraska, it could be tricky. A road game, that's a tough place to play. Penn State, even though that game's at home, that could be tough. At Iowa, we know how Iowa plays. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you got Michigan State, and you got at Michigan. So I think there's two losses in there. I mean, it's easy two losses. I don't think it's just debatable. I, I just think that I mean Ohio State could run the table. Don't get me wrong, but there's some losses on that schedule I could see. 
And even Army, I want, Army the next week after they play Oklahoma, that's, that's a tricky kind of offense to try to stop. I mean, I want, I want to believe you. I do. Nothing would make me happier than to see Ohio State, who didn't deserve to play off last year, to be nowhere near it this year. For them to lose to um, Oklahoma, for them to lose to Iowa, and for, I mean, especially if they lost to Michigan, that would make me really happy. Uh, but, I mean, under Urban Meyer, 12-0, 12-2, 14-1, 12-1, 11-2. Uh, the years with two losses, they lost their bowl games. So he's finished regular seasons with 0-1, one, one, uh, 0, right? No, 1, and 1. i, I got to believe they're going to win 11 games at least somehow. I'm going to say 10, Quinn. I have them going 12 and 0. So, oh, there you go. You better bet that over then. You think that? Here's the Oregon Ducks right here. Jonathan at eight. Well, now you see that's interesting because Willie Taggart, usually in his first year, kind of uh, destroys what was previously there, and he won two games at both of his. Uh, Stops the first go around of Western Kentucky and USF, but Oregon's got talent. You know they had that quarterback last year who played pretty well in Herbert. Yeah, Royce Freeman, eight, huh? I see three guaranteed wins. You know, eight feels high. Eight feels high. I'm gonna take the under. Well, let's bring Jason on right quick. Jason, the big Oregon Ducks fan, he's been holding. I didn't even see him holding. Hey, Jason, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm pretty good. It just turned 30 um, a couple of days ago, and it just that's too much away from football. Can't wait. Damn, you're old, 30. God, you're old. Yeah, getting up there. I am old. Um, I'm 40. I'll say. I'll say I'd say eight wins is perfect. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but Dan Carrington, um, the leading wide receiver at um, Oregon last year, got kicked off the team because of a DUI. Ran into a pole at a McDonald's. I can't make this stuff up. So, got yeah, pulled over in the Mc- Yeah, he is. I'm pretty well, at least, at least if it was at the strip club, it'd be different, but McDonald's. Yeah. Well, that, that was one of the um, that was one of the guys that should have been suspended for that Rose Bowl against Florida State for failing the the the, the pot test that then they he held was back. Suspended for the Mets game. Yeah, they suspended for Ohio State yeah. instead of Florida State, mm. which was yeah, yeah, lovely. Thanks, guys. Yeah. That worked out well. Yeah. So, but um, other right. gate wins. It's perfect. Um, one thing well, to Oklahoma. Uh, I know everybody's high on Oklahoma, but let's not forget Lincoln Riley has never been a head coach. And, uh, yeah, it, it's an offense coordinator and whatnot, but he hasn't been a head coach. Let, let's see if good point. If things go smoothly or things go right. Um, the big trouble, they should win this. But I am with Jonathan Texas. Every single year, this is hype, 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 hype. It's like <laughs> USC hype. It's knowing that we have Texas hype 
it means it's the summertime. That's all it is. So, yeah. Well, here's my lock of the year. So I'm, we're not going to pick it. I've got Washington State going over seven and a half. That's my lock. Um, mm-hmm. Here's one that surprised me a little bit. And, Jonathan, Virginia Tech, nine. Nine. Nine times. Um, crazy. Nine games. I like it, though. I like it. Somebody's got to win nine games in the Coastal. I don't know who it is this year, but somebody's got to do it. Well, let me put it this way. It's not going to be Miami. It's probably not going to be um, Syracuse. North Carolina. What? It might be North Carolina. No, well, they're replacing a lot, no, I think. No, mm. no I, I, said, I said It's not Georgia North Tech. Carolina. It's Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's going to win, like, nine or ten games this year because – Nobody else is expecting it. Well, Jason, you want to know what I one for you? Go ahead, Quinn. I was gonna say you guys are gonna think I'm crazy, but I have Virginia Tech going eleven and one with their only loss at Miami. Uh, I have them ten. Looking at the schedule, I have them. Be- Damn it, Quinn. Now I actually got to pull up their schedule. Here we I go. Know, I'm, like not gonna spend time on, I'm not going to spend time on Virginia Tech, guys. So y'all Wait a look minute. At it. You got them beating Clemson, Georgia at home. Tech. At home, yeah. West Virginia. Yeah, so West like Virginia. West Virginia, the neutral site first game, yeah, I think they beat West Virginia. So, West Virginia, who's – Essentially, they had their quarterback. We already know who it is, and he's been there. So it's not like we got to worry about him in live game action against Virginia Tech, who's going to be breaking in some new kid because the kid that should have started, um, well, he left early like an idiot. I don't, I don't know if I like Tech in week one. I don't know if I like Tech against Clemson, especially if we still have to worry about their quarterback. I, I get that it's at home, but I think that's going to be a great game to watch. Um, Same. North Carolina is interesting. Miami and Georgia Tech, I think, is interesting. But wow, eleven and one. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool too. I don't know about that. But Ambitious there, Quinn. Yeah. Huh? I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't think they're going eleven and one, but I've been wrong a lot. So hey, you never know. All right, uh, John, or say Jason. Yeah, Southern Cal. Southern Cal, hold on. Nine and a half. Yeah, nine and a half. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I couldn't see it. It's really easy. Um, those couple of weeks, I think they took the toll against Sanford possibly, but um, they – they don't play over. Under or over. They don't play. Um, I say over. I go under. Jonathan. Over. I mean. Under. Yeah, you know, they, they don't. No loss at heart. Yeah, but they're not that good. Yeah. Are they? All of us. All of a sudden, y'all start. People start falling in love with USC, unless. Let's just think about it. They lost by 50 to Bama. 
They yeah. the, and they their wins. Yeah, they beat Washington last year, but that's really the the win I look at was like that's a good win. I mean, they give up fifty points against Penn State. I just don't like their defense. I don't like their team. I don't like their right. So I, I, here's the problem though: Western Michigan rebuild, Stanford. Okay, maybe. Okay, let's 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 see Stanford put that in the pocket, but that one's in LA. Texas is in LA. Not gonna happen. Sorry, Quinn. Uh, at Cal, it's not gonna happen. At I Washington State. In Texas. Uh, let's put Washington State in the hip pocket. It's a road game. It's a Friday night. Oregon State yeah. at home. Gonna beat them. Washington Utah at home. Washington State. Washington State will beat USC. Like I said, I want to throw that one in the hip pocket. Yeah, Friday night, Ultimate Stadium. Yeah. I mean, Utah in, in LA, probably not. At Notre Dame, probably not. At Arizona State, definitely not. Homecoming for Arizona, no. At Colorado, rebuild. UCLA, trash. I mean, USC should win <laughs> 10 games. I'm not saying 12 at all, but they should at least go 10 and 2. Yeah. Expectations. I'm telling you, it's easier when you lose by 50 and you start 1 and 3 to kind of, you know, rally around it mm-hmm. and. And just and just went some and games. And they change quarterbacks too, right? And the new quarterbacks undefeated still. That makes it easy too, right? We'll see. I mean, but it's different when you're the mm-hmm. hunted and playing as the hunter. I'm telling you. That's oh right. yeah. Oh yeah. Southern Southern no Cal just is not in that. That that coach they have is not the kind of coach that people fear and worry about. So. I'm going to go well, under. Well, it scares me that I know nothing about them, though. I will say, games this schedule could be empowering to pull USC's at a coast. So. All right, let's look at national championship odds here. So, here's some and, – and here's what we got to do real quick before we talk some basketball is we got to find the value plays. If you if you have $100 to put down – to win some money, or say a thousand dollars, you have a thousand dollars. That's what you're going to bet on this one. If you look at Florida State; they're plus seven hundred. Mm-hmm. So if you put a hundred on Florida State to win the championship, you win seven hundred. Put a thousand, you win seven thousand. Uh, Florida plus three thousand. <laughs> you put a hundred, you can win three thousand. That's probably not going to happen. But Auburn is twenty two hundred, which is not. I think these have been updated before. I think Auburn's in the top eight now of of, of tiers. It's real close, but I'm looking at an old one. But Alabama plus 150. That's stupid Why? odds. Yeah, exactly. Plus 150. It yeah. should be plus 450. It shouldn't be plus 150. Somebody's got this wrong. But I'm just trying to show you Oregon is plus 10,000, Jason, just so you know. Damn. Mm. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame is yeah. Notre Dame is plus seven thousand. Ole Piss is plus twenty five thousand. Oh, that's it. That's it. Ole Miss. They're gonna win it all. Hmm. Hold on, Texas right here, Quinn. Thirty five hundred. You put a hundred. Yeah. Thirty five hundred. Virginia Tech. Is how are you? Texas is not. Florida State is uh, 700. Oh, I think, okay, my bad. Mm. No. 
Listen, Jonathan, If you have Virginia Tech going 11-1, who's, who's talking? I can't hear what they're saying. It sounds like they're sucking on something. Not it. Not it. Okay, whoever's talking, just, just, just talk. Don't suck. Just talk. Um, so, if I'm looking at it right now, Virginia Tech's plus 7,500. Quinn, if I had them going 11-1, I would put a hundred dollars on that because if you win, if they go eleven to one, they're probably in the playoff, and you never know what can happen once they get in that. But Washington State's plus eleven thousand, um, Mississippi State twenty five thousand. So I'm just here's here's the top ten teams that can win it: Alabama, Auburn, not in that order, Clemson twenty six hundred. So that shows you what Vegas thinks about Clemson plus twenty six hundred. Lower than Auburn, lower than LSU. Uh, Florida is plus three thousand. That's not going to happen. Georgia plus forty two hundred. So those people, I think, once you get past three thousand, Jonathan, I don't think you have too good of a chance. But I, I would put a hundred on Oklahoma State at plus thirty two hundred because if they win the Big Twelve, they're in the playoff, and with that kind of offense, they could they could win a championship. I like that, plus 3,200. Yeah, I mean, they could, no doubt about that. Um, <clears throat> I think I think Oklahoma State is in a bad value bet. I mean, I, I always feel that it's, um, it's, it's always more fun to look for who's going to make the playoff odds because it just kind of gives you an easier out. Uh, the odds will be a little yeah, let lower. Me, let, me, let me try to find that. I'm going to try to find that. Hold on. Yeah. Because there's always one team outside the top ten who's going to make the playoffs. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So you you should get decent odds. It's hard to pick that champion. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. except for all the people last year that bet Clemson, because I decided that Florida State was going to be good. Yeah, whoops. <clears throat> well, let's so, uh, let's look at the NFL real quick and. Sorry. Let's see. NFL to win. I don't want to look at regular season game. Well, let's look at let's look at to win division. I want to see if they got the Falcons overrated or they got Carolina coming back a little bit. Uh, to, to win the NFC East, the Cowboys are favored. Easy, plus 115, followed by the Giants. Eagles, Redskins, let's go. Okay, the AF, NFC South, Falcons plus 150, Carolina plus 250, Saints plus 365, Tampa plus 265. So it's really a three-team race right there, but we all know it's a four-team race in that division. I'm just trying to see a value bet here. Yeah, the NFL, it's hard to it's hard to beat the NFL, man. It's hard to beat Vegas on the NFL. What's the Just, NFC North? What are those odds? Uh, Packers NFC minus 1,000. What? No Packers minus 300. There uh, we go. Minnesota plus, plus 350. Third place is the Lions plus 450. And fourth place plus 3,300, the Bears. So what that tells you is the Bears <laughs> have a, no chance in hell to – to win that division. That's oh, I crazy that. <laughs> Oklahoma State has better shot to win the national championship than the Bears do of winning the NFC North. 
That's all I needed. In life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's only three teams in that division besides Chicago, and you're on. <laughs> Damn, that's bad. The Rams. The Rams have a better shot to win the West than the Bears to win the North. What? How? Just, just, just go ahead and quit now, Bears fans. Your season's over. I would, I, really I would put a hundred on that. I would put a hundred on that just to see if I could win thirty-three hundred. <laughs> sure. And then I bet against him every week to hedge. <laughs> here's a here's your bet of the year, plus five thousand. Take the Browns to win the AFC North. If they do, you're rich. <laughs> um. Let me go ahead and call up my uh, my stockbroker and see how much money I have left. Go ahead and get that done. Yeah, if you called that number and put that bet, they'd probably forward you to a psychiatric ward or something. Yeah. Uh, you just called Gamblers Anonymous? Oh, really? Yeah, I have a bet. Uh, I put the Carolina to win the Super Bowl. I put 25 bucks on it. Well, about... Uh, March fourth. That's when I bet that. March fourth. Sorry, sorry, you lost twenty five dollars. Well, you know, I got plus twenty five hundred. Let's see what is what the odds are now. Let me see what it. So I got twenty five hundred. Let's see if this went up or down. And let's see. Carolina's got a good shot to win the Super Bowl. Better than a twenty five hundred. Now it's uh, let's see. Carolina's plus three thousand. So hell, I've lost. It actually went the other way. So uh, you lost money already. Yep, I lost money already, probably. But you got you try to get them early. You try to get those games early. But hey, Jonathan, uh, I'm gonna have to step away for two minutes. Will you talk about you and Quinn and Jason talk about the free agency in the NBA real quick? Yeah, sure. Hmm. Um. Is anybody else paying attention to it? Of course you are. So, um, we've seen some good trades. We've seen some interesting signings. First off, the Orlando Magic traded Victor Oladipo, Domitas Sabonis, and Ersan Ilyasova for half a season of, of Serge Ibaka. So, what the Oklahoma City Thunder did was they traded Victor Oladipo and Domitas Sabonis for Paul George. Yep. Yep. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> I, I am so confused by what just happened. A, there's no way you can tell me that Paul George is less of a player than Serge Ibaka. A. B. For the man, I mean, the man has got to be kind of stupid. Uh, looking at it in hindsight, no wonder the GM got fired. Um, I don't even feel bad about him getting fired anymore. And see, Oklahoma City looks like they, uh, they might be good this year, huh? Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Paul George and Russell Westbrook, that'll be interesting. I still think they'll be the probably the third or fourth best team in the West, though. Yeah, I mean, look, Golden State's obviously number one. They brought everybody back uh, that they wanted to. Um, and that's, I mean, 
look, that, that's unprecedented. So Andre Guadalla, I'm going to meet with everybody, meets with Golden State. No, we're done meeting. I'm resigning. Like, you, you know you got something impressive going on when you can pull that off. But Houston finagling Chris Paul away from the Clippers is impressive to Huge. me. Yeah. They definitely now, but I wonder how much is the depth of their bench going to be hurt by the fact that it costs you four, four, four guys, four role players, um, who were all high energy minutes guys. You know, they, we're not talking about they traded four bums. They traded four legitimate uh, role players for I get it, one of the best point guards in the league, but also. Don't you already have a point guard in James Harden? Yes. He's not a yeah. point guard. That's what he played last year. I know. That's exactly right. They transitioned him to one. Yeah, he's not a he, – he did good last year, but you got to give kudos to Houston, Jonathan. you got to mm-hmm. give kudos to OKC. They're trying to compete with Golden State. What in the hell are these other teams doing? What's Cleveland do? What's Boston do? Nothing. What is Boston draft doing? Picks. The East yeah. is going to be so, so bad this year. The East is going to be so bad this year. I think that's why LeBron stays. And, 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 and you know, I, I think he'll leave next year. But, hell, LeBron's the only player in the top 15, I think, in the East. Yeah. Or in the whole NBA. That's, yeah. yeah, that's what the stat that ESPN put up said. I mean, look. What is Boston doing? Well, they're trusting Danny Ainge, and Danny Ainge is sitting in a corner somewhere at a Boston bar uh, drinking a lager and uh, looking at a napkin and just mumbling assets, draft picks, assets, draft picks, because that's what wins rings. Like, Danny Ainge forgets how he got that pretty ring on his finger was by trading assets and draft picks. That's how you got Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. Let's let, let's remember this now. Okay, so Jimmy Butler's on the block. The Timberwolves offer up Chris Dunn, who had a horrible rookie year, and Zach Levine, whose knee blew up last year, and you swap first-round picks for Jimmy Butler. And Boston's sitting in a corner looking at draft picks and assets. Like, well, wait a minute. Jason Tatum don't look that good. If, I mean, Jimmy Butler looks better than somebody who ain't done nothing yet. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then Paul George hits the market, and they do the same thing. You're like, wait, wait, wait. So you're gonna, what? You're, you're going to sign Gordon Hayward, or you're going to try to? Like, what are you doing? Do, do you, are you just okay with being second fiddle? Is that fine right now? Well, our guys are going to pan out. Well, all your other guys are getting old. So you you got to figure something out here. Yeah, it's, um, it's unbelievable that nobody in the NBA has really gotten better. And you talked about the, the depth for Houston, the role players. But the problem is, Jonathan, you've got to take a shot like they did in order to compete. So if you're going to win and you're going to play with Golden State, you've got to have more than role players and some bench players. Mm-hmm. You have to have that. But, but I think what's most important is you have a superstar. Chris Paul is good enough to make those other players a lot better. And um, thank God he got out of L.A. because that place was a cesspool. But you need a bench because without a bench, you become the Clippers. 
You do. You do. Know, but, you, but you can't win without him, though. You can't win without Chris Paul. You can't compete with Golden State. Well, anyway, they so could have won either, they could have. If James Harden would stop disappearing in the playoffs, they could win games. But he seems to just go missing. Look at what happened against San Antonio. He went missing. He scored, what, 15 <laughs> combined points the last two games? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But, but, but how bad is the East, Quinn? How bad is the East um, when you look at it now with Paul George leaving? I mean, you look at Boston, they're not – I mean, they're a decent team for an East team, so they're good for an East team. But Cleveland and Boston, uh, again, you could just go ahead and say that's going to happen. But look at the All-Star game next year. How lopsided is it going to be? <laughs> yeah, it's go- It's going to be really, really bad. And I'm shocked I'm, – I'm particularly shocked that the Cavs haven't made any moves. And you know who that's going to piss off? If they want to try and keep LeBron after next year, they got to do something because if they have this same if they have this same roster, they're going they might get killed in the finals even worse than they did well, this hold on, year. They hold might on, get swept. What are they going to do? The, the Cavs re-signed Corver to twenty-two million. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, but well, who are they going to go? They don't have cap space, so you're allowed to go over cap to re-sign your guys, right? And they're way over cap. What are they? Got, what are they supposed to do? But they Can can't try any of their draft picks. So what are they going to do? You tr- you try and trade Kevin Love and some role players. They they should. Why? I, I mean, they did We're try and go after Kevin Paul Love. George. For, how? Why would Indiana here's, trade here's Paul George to Cleveland? Yeah, exactly, and and here's here's the deal: Boston and Cleveland offered better uh, than than Houston did. The problem is Indiana doesn't want Paul George going against them in the playoffs, at least to get to yeah. the finals. So that was smart, wasn't it, Jonathan? By Indiana, I wouldn't let him go to Cleveland or Boston either. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't want to deal with him. And what if he likes going there? I mean, supposedly he still plans on going to the Lakers next. Uh, next year after when after this season when he's a free agent. But like everybody just like magically expects Cleveland to pull something out of their ass like they're they're a magician with rabbits. Like they got no cap space. <laughs> They've traded so many of their draft picks that they're not allowed to trade draft picks because the NBA has a rule that you can't trade first round picks two years in a row or whatever. Right. And they gone ahead and traded all these picks and they can't make any more moves as far as that goes. Right? So what do you what do you, what do you want them to do? You want them to trade Kevin Love, who played good for them last year. For what? So, and, and then who else? So Tristan Thompson, who no shown in the finals, can finally take over. Like, what, what? It's not Kevin Love's fault. They paid over. They overpaid Tristan Thompson because he's LeBron's butt buddy. It's not Kevin Love's fault that they overpaid J.R. Smith because LeBron likes him when he doesn't have a shirt on. Like, but that is my thing, and it's not. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Love's fault that they're paying three head coaches and including one who's the assistant on the team that just beat them for the finals. So I'm saying LeBron A is not trying to recruit nobody to show up. Let's let's be real about that. I mean that, that that's known now. B yeah, we already know. know that he's thinking about going west. What is and Cleveland just fired their GM? So who's making these moves? They don't have a new GM. Who's who's making them? Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue can't coach. LeBron well, doesn't know the cap works. I mean, Here's the deal. Quinn's, Quinn's just saying 
Cleveland didn't get better, so they're screwed. That's really what he's saying. Hey, I'm getting an echo. Is somebody listening to the radio? I can hear that echo, too. I heard it. All right, let's try it now. Can you hear it? That was Jason. Hey, Jason, turn your damn radio <laughs> off, and then I'll bring you back on. <laughs> but, I mean, here's the deal, guys. Let's just be honest. Cleveland got donkey stomped right out of the finals. I mean, this was a team that people thought, you know, could compete with Golden State. Well, let's face it, they can't. There's nobody in the East that can compete with Golden State for the next three years. I don't care what anybody says. The West, Houston, that's cute, getting Chris Paul. But, again, they're not going to beat Golden State. The only team that has a chance to beat Golden State is Oklahoma City, and it's because of Paul George and the best player in the NBA right now, Russell Westbrook, for his age. I mean, this guy is so explosive, Jonathan. I'm going to go with that's the only team that I think could challenge Golden State. I'm not going to say they'll beat them, but I think that'll be an interesting six-game series at least. It's better than what Cleveland can do. I mean, why? Because Paul George all of a sudden makes OKC good enough to, like, not get swept? They're going to lose in five? Like, because they still ain't got nobody, you know, because, all right, so Paul George sits on Durant. Ross sits on Curry, which really does nothing for either one of them. Who's guarding Clay Thompson? Who's guarding Draymond Green? Nobody. They got like Oklahoma City's got a flawed team right now. Um, you know, getting rid of Old Depot was smart, but it, it, this is still a team that is very flawed. They have two centers, one who's all defense, one who's all offense. If you put them together, it'd be great, but you can't. So you know, I, I, I honestly, oh, um, it's getting better. It's, it's actually they they got beat in the first round this year. Next year, they'll be good enough for a Western Conference Finals at least. Will they beat Golden State? No, unless some injuries happen. But, again, would you rather be second in the West or seventh in the West? And I think they're they're just trying to take steps in the right direction, Quinn. I think they'll be third in the West. I still think San Antonio will be the second-best team in the West. That's possible. I mean, that's a good pick. I just like Oklahoma City. I'm a big fan. I'm a fan of Oklahoma City. I like Russell Westbrook. I do. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I mean, look, the Clippers obviously aren't going to be the Clippers now. Um, You know, Utah has got something going on out there. They're young. And that's the only thing I worry about. Now, if they can bring back Hayward, um, I'm interested to see what Utah, who I know Golden State swept them, but I'm interested to see what they could do coming back with another year of experience and, and whatnot. Um, I mean, Houston, uh, uh, I mean, you have a backcourt. What else you got? Because here's the thing. Golden State's yeah. got four all-stars. Like, that, that's the thing here. As Golden State has four all-stars, mm-hmm. and then they bring out their bench, and it's Sean Livingston – Andre Iguodala and three young guys, and you just sit there with your with your mouth open like you gotta be kidding me. And you know, here's the thing with Golden State, they they brought in Iguodala uh, before Steph was Steph, uh, in all reality, before Draymond really took over, before Clay became more than just a three point guy. Like Andre was supposed to be the dude, and then they found out. Whoa, look at the next level that we're getting here. I mean, they drafted Steph. 
and Clay and Draymond. They took on Sean Livingston when nobody else wanted him. Like, they built an amazing team through the draft and through shrewd free agency decisions. And then Grant showed up. Um, well, everybody else has kind of got to chase, like, three guys now. You know, unless you unless yeah. you can draft, like, Golden State, I don't think anybody touches them to to the big four over there fall yeah. apart. They don't. Hey, I've got a question. Why has nobody talked about LeBron being traded from Cleveland? Like, why didn't Cleveland try to trade him right now? I think it's a perfect time to trade LeBron and get – I mean, because when he leaves next year, they're just done for probably 10 years. So trade LeBron now. You're not going to win the national, the NBA championship anyway. Like Quinn says, what have you done to get better? Nothing. Why not trade LeBron, Quinn? Why not go ahead and get something for him before he leaves you? Ooh, that's a big move. I mean, I, didn't, I haven't even ever thought about that until you just said it. Uh, <laughs> trade his ass to the Lakers right now. <laughs> what would you give up? I don't know. I don't think that'd be Say smart. What? Why not? I mean, you're going to suck after next year anyway, and you're not going to win a championship anyway. But, Jonathan, you could get a lot for LeBron right now. Shit, you could go. I don't know if anybody's stupid enough to do it because you you have to get him with the – the hope that he's going to stay with you. So if you're the Lakers or OKC or somebody that you can see him going out towards West, he's not going to stay in Cleveland, Jonathan. He's not going to stay in the East. He's going to move out West, and it's going to be the Clippers, Lakers, somebody like that. So why don't why doesn't the Clippers or Lakers try to get him or OKC? I mean, well, because he don't want to go to OKC. Uh, I mean, look. If you call LeBron and you said, hey, pick the Clippers or the Lakers, I don't think he very much care. I think he might lean the Clippers just because Doc Rivers is the coach. For some reason, people think he's like this genius or something. I don't he know. Sucks. Uh, he sucks. No, he, yeah, he, I mean, let's, yeah, Doc, Doc Rivers, anyways. Um, so. <laughs> You know, look, LeBron's kids are in school in L.A. He's got a nice house in L.A. He he likes L.A. That's that that's his thing. Uh, he likes in the Hollywood stuff, the commercials, the 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 whole movie thing he did. So if I'm um if I'm the Cavaliers, I call up the Clippers. Because the Lakers are smart, but there's a reason why Paul George didn't get traded to the Lakers. They're, they're not, they're not going to let themselves be Carmelo Anthony. Um, so if you're if you're the Lakers, uh, the Cavs, you call the Clippers and say, "Hey, you want to give up DeAndre Jordan and a um, bunch of first round exactly. picks? You can have LeBron. Yeah. Done. Do I'll resign with you." Could you imagine if LeBron went to OKC and they had Paul George, LeBron, and Westbrook? I guarantee you that team would beat the hell out of Golden State. They would donkey stomp Golden State. No, they wouldn't. Uh, the bench. Who would you? What would be your supporting cast? How much would you have to trade? How much would you have to trade away to get LeBron? I mean, I to know. me, I don't know. 
They for sure would have firepower, but I still don't think it's enough firepower. I think you have to have at least four stars and a good bench to beat Golden State. Yeah, and you got to be able to shoot the ball. Westbrook's not a great shooter, as we see. LeBron's not a great shooter. Paul George is a great shooter, but those two, that's a good point. That's a good point. I'm wrong on that one, probably. Uh, Beat Golden State, you gotta you gotta outmuscle them. Which you know the physical part. LeBron can be physical. Paul George is physical. Westbrook, he can be a little frustrating. I don't think he's real physical, but I don't know. It's just it's just dynamic to see Cleveland sitting here. And you know, next year after this year, he's gone. So if I'm Gilbert, whatever his name is, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, we're not gonna beat. Golden State anyway. Hell, we probably won't even beat Boston um, after this year. So what, what, what's the difference between finishing second and eighth? It doesn't really matter. You're not going anywhere anyway. Go ahead and you push LeBron out the door so he doesn't just leave you and leave you like a little helpless girl. You get rid of his ass. You bring in some draft picks. You build for the future. All of a sudden, Jonathan, you've got probably the 10th team and 8th team in the East maybe, and all of a sudden you're the 6th, and at least you're you're relevant. Once LeBron leaves, they're done. So that's why I was just thinking about this. Somebody needs LeBron James. And is, is it too late for this to happen? I don't think it is. is it? Trades can still go on. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> if, if I'm Cleveland, I trade them without even telling him. I don't know if he has a no-trade clause or not. I doubt it. Um, but if I'm clean and I trade him, and I'm not even going to tell him. I'll let him find out on Twitter that I trade him. He's like, no, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was our decision, LeBron. We didn't think you were it was necessary in our decision. Sound familiar, LeBron? I'm trading you to the net. Oh, God. Oh my God! Hey guys, yeah, hey um, guys, hold on, hold on just a second. Let's take this call from the four hundred four. This is Atlanta, Georgia. You're on Way in Sports. Who's this? Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Who's this? This is Naj in Atlanta. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, Mike, man. Ain't talked to y'all in a while. I know it. Tell us, tell us what you think about Cleveland <laughs> trading LeBron. That's what I want to say. Oh, yeah, that's the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> okay, uh, first things first, he has a no-trade clause, so you can't just send him anywhere. Uh, you'd have to get oh, his, his approval on the trade. Second point would be uh, the value of your franchises uh, just dips overnight. So the idea that, you know, he would go through that willingly, nah. If he leaves, you're going to make it as painful as possible. You want him to turn his back on Cleveland. You want the tear-filled kids of Cleveland to have to see it, and you want to put that pressure on him. You're kind of, you're kind of morally blackmailing him to a certain degree. So if he leaves, it has to be his doing, and he has to deal with the PR fallout of that. But if you allow him to walk scot-free, you trade him, everything's on you. Dan Gilbert's the man who ruined the Cavs. He's the man who got rid of LeBron. And that's how you will be remembered. So, no, you play it the other way. And you make sure if he leaves, you make it as ugly as possible and everything on his hand. Yeah, it's, it's like me. I'd rather dump a girl than get dumped. You know, at least I'm the one with the the pride to say, hey, I walked away from it. But, I mean, 
Tell yeah, well, right my question quick. would be: does, does that does that girl have a, a inheritance of two billion dollars or something? <laughs> <laughs> and then do you make a different decision? I don't. See what I mean? That's a good point. <laughs> hey, t- tell me, t- tell me your thoughts of who in the NBA can compete, not beat Golden State, but just compete. Do you think Houston got a lot better in OKC? Because I see nobody in the East even touching me. Well, yeah, I don't think the thing thing is to pick out a team you think is going to beat them. I think it's just to look at the West kind of ratcheting up. It's kind of an arms race now. So the West will be tougher, and any significant injury can change the shape of everything. Uh, Kevin Durant got hurt. He happened to, you know, recover well from that surgery last year. But if Durant is out for the playoffs, they lose last year. So you never know. Clay could go down. Anything could happen. That rotation can get shortened real quick. Iguodala could get old overnight after they just paid him. So, you know, I, I don't think it's as clear-cut as we as we seem to think, man. 82 games is a long season, and a lot can happen. But I wouldn't pick out anybody and say healthy, straight-up, seven-game series, they can beat them. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick anybody. It's hard to beat for Jonathan. I mean, you've seen it. I mean, you keep going back to the depth of Golden State, not just the not the bench really, but who's going to guard number four and number five? And that's what that's what I can't figure out. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it's the same reason Boston and, and Philly weren't trading draft picks at the end of the day. Is because they, they looked at the Golden State method as they're going to call them instead of just calling it, you know, drafting well. Um, you know, having a good scouting department, there's a thought. Uh, having some luck. Hey, we all need a little bit of that. You know, like Philly and Boston said, all right, well, we're just going to sit here and keep drafting guys. We have high draft picks. We're just going to keep doing it. And sooner or later it's going to pay off. Well, Philly was kind of stupid in how they did it. And look, Embiid's good, but he's hurt. Like, that that's the risk you took. Big men who break their feet, their careers usually uh, end very quickly after that. Look at Yao Ming and Greg Oden. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they drafted Okafor knowing his offense, his defensive uh, liability. You drafted Simmons, he's hurt. You know, I it, it, Philly's had their issues. And, and with Boston, I mean, you have Isaiah Thomas who's been great. You have Avery Bradley, who's an excellent two guard. Uh, Al Horford is a solid four. He's nothing spectacular, but he's good. So now, A, you still don't have a center. That's an issue. You got beat up on the glass. That was a big issue for them. You had nobody to defend inside. It's a big issue. Um, and then you have Jay Crowder, Jay, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown to all play the same position. I mean, I'm trying to understand because they couldn't get Nellons in a while because from what I understand, Philadelphia told him you're not getting them no matter what. Ha, ha, soft. Um, so um, what we're trying to understand is why Boston and Philly, both with their draft strategies – they believe in taking the best player available over and over again when there might be an issue, like you already have three guys in that position, or he's hurt. I'm, I'm just trying to understand because if you look at uh, Golden State, Clay Thompson, they took him because they needed a two-guard. They took Steph Curry because they needed a point guard. Draymond Green was a second-round pick. You know, the, the way they drafted was we took the best player available for a, for a particular need. And then we just got lucky with the three-point guy. And I think this is what other teams are missing out on. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to the Golden State story about getting lucky because Steph was, uh, you know, marginal all-star. Uh, with the ankle problems, and then all of a sudden he gets completely healthy and he moves up to MVP status. So, I mean, you typically don't get that. 
So you had him on a underpayment contract, so that was an advantage. And with Boston and Philly, two two separate uh, two, two separate things. With Philly, you keep going after these guys who are injury riddled, so you're kind of buying lotto tickets and hoping that they pay off. I don't agree with having more than one of those guys on your roster just because, hey, man, chances of all of them being healthy aren't good. Uh, Boston is a whole different thing. They don't. They, they know they're not going to beat LeBron, so Danny's trying to stack assets. Now, Danny holds on to those assets a little too much and tries to win every trade. Probably should be a little better, a little more discerning about it, but I don't know, man. They got good problems. You know what I mean? <laughs> they still got the Nets picks. They still got young players, and they got pieces to move. Danny's just going to have to ease up a little bit and not think that he's going to fleece everybody on every trade. It's not going to work like that. That's why they didn't get Jimmy Butler. Yep. Yeah, huge mistake. But I can, I can see the thinking on it because I think they're thinking if we bring in Jimmy, we still lose to Cleveland. So I think that's how he was looking at it. And the scary thing is giving IT $100 million. Five, seven guy. In his 30s, whew, yeah. we're about to be 30. Yeah, that's, that's kind of scary. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's not good. I mean, Thomas had a great year and everything, but it, man, it, it's just something about these guys that get paid. And, and, and you know, Iguodala, we talked about, all of a sudden he gets older. Yeah, when you get that kind of money, I just think the hunger goes down a little bit. And I just don't think Thomas Jonathan is going to have that kind of year again. Yeah, oh. like I said, he's just so small, man. I don't know if I'd give him that money. And guys like Iguodala, right. I wouldn't be concerned more with his hunger. I'd be more concerned with the knees and back and everything else, man. That dude is old mm-hmm. in NBA years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but look Thomas. at Vince Carter. Iggy was the same type of player as Carter, you know, the guys who lived above the rim. And Vince Carter now is a power forward because he ain't got no spring left. Yeah, Vince, Car- Vince Carter is the Nalamia <laughs> all in all. I mean – that dude is still dunking at his age. Like, I don't know how he's still getting NBA checks, but you watch him and you see, well, he's still a rotation player somehow. Uh, we all thought as soon as the hops were gone, he'd be out of the league and, you know, that'd be that. That dude extended his career by getting that three-point shot, and I, I don't know, man. That's unexplainable. How the hell is Vince Carter still in the league? That's crazy. <laughs> well, I know I'm 40 did. years old, and I I'm I'm 40 and he was in. I think I was in elementary school when he was in the NBA. <laughs> See what I mean? That's crazy, man. Genetics, genetics, and he probably takes care of his body really well and eats well and does all that stuff. Yeah, and around oh, the age. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who knows, man? Who knows? Because the NBA. I don't even think NBA fans would care as much about HGH if it did start coming out that guys were on it. I don't think NBA fans would care to the degree like they did with baseball. Football, same thing. I don't think people look at it the same way. I don't think people in baseball care. If you haven't noticed, we've hit more home runs than ever before this year. And everybody's kind of like, well, this is me. Do you guys see this? Hey, he just had a new career high with 30 home runs on July 1st. That's cool. Nobody's like, oh, fuck, they're all juicing again. They're like, whoa, baseball, wait a minute. You took this away from us? You guys are dicks. Yeah, I guess it's a writer thing, right? So the baseball writers are really concerned with stats because that's how they vote for Hall of Fame. That's how they rank people. And if the stats are kind of 
jumbled because guys are, you know, putting up numbers that Hall of Famers did, then, you know, it messes up their whole identity about baseball. So I guess that's part of it with baseball. I guess maybe the fans don't care as much as, as people write, say they do. And, you know, another baseball stadiums back in the day, it used to be the polo grounds. It was 540 feet to dead center. Now it's like 404. Like, the stats have already been changed because the stadiums are smaller, because you have relief pitchers now. They didn't used to have relief pitchers. Guys pitched the whole game. They threw 200 pitching. You know, right. uh, you had guys who hit and, and pitched. So, you Babe Ruth was a hitter and a pitcher. He actually didn't become a, dec- uh, a great hitter until he stopped pitching, and he had to stop pitching because he tipped his pitches. But, like, baseball's a totally different sport now. The mound's taller than when Babe Ruth played. Like, people forget that they, ra- they raised the mound. They lowered it back down. They raised it again. Uh, you know, like, baseball has gone through changes every decade. Like, I, I don't know why they keep wanting to fight it. Like, look at football. All of a sudden, all the passing records are, are, are out of whack, and we got to do something about it because the game's changed and everybody's throwing the ball now. But, like, you think Johnny Unitas, you know, rests his soul. You think he's sitting up there in heaven looking down going, this is blasphemy. We're gonna be playing. He's like, wait a minute. Why could I have done this? Like, I want to throw about 40 times a game. Like, the game's going to change. You know, that's what yeah, I'm I think you're right. Yeah, I think fans are smarter than people give credit right? for. Yeah, I think people, fans are smarter than people give them credit for. Like, people know Matt Castle is not Johnny Unitas, even if, you know, yardage says that they're similar or something like that. And then with baseball, you got the old fans against the new fans. The new younger fans want to see people, you know, kind of celebrate. They want to see emotion. They want to see all that. And the older fans are like, no, nah, we want the old ways, unwritten rules, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know if that works in today's market, especially with, you know, they want to – Use the media to show highlights and, you know, look at cool stuff. That's what young people want to do. They don't want to do the old school scoring the game and all that. So, I, I don't know. We may be seeing a little fight no. there. Well, well old baseball and new baseball need to come to an agreement. And really, it's American baseball and, and, and the, the Caribbean baseball need to come to an understanding that, look – we both have unwritten rules, and we don't like each other's unwritten rules, but if I stare down you or you stare down me, somebody's going to get hit by something. You both know it. Why are you going to be upset when I throw at you after you stare down a home run where if you did the same thing to me, you'd be throwing at me too. Don't give me this crap. It's celebration. No, no, no. Don't hide behind that cloak. Y'all know you'd be doing that. Look at Ask Pedro Martinez. He'd say the same thing. I'll beat you in the side of the head. Like, you know, so b- baseball, cultural, the different cultures within it, uh, need to come to an agreement and understanding more than the different generations, honestly. Yeah, but what happens? What, what's what's the idea behind striking the guy out? Like, why are like why be mad after he hit the home run and, and gets happy? Why not strike the guy out? That, that's my thing. I don't I don't understand the whole throwing at a guy for celebrating. Because but baseball like players are whiny. <laughs> They're all yeah, temperamental. Yeah. They're all whiny. They're all bad. They're all sore losers. Like look, I, I, that played with them, know them. Yeah, they all are. They're horrible losers. So whenever something doesn't go their way, they throw a temper tantrum and they'd rather hit you than actually beat you. Because now they believe yeah, they can't beat you. Why not strike them out and then celebrate on them then? If he celebrated <laughs> on you on the homer, that's that's my oh, play. Thank you. Voice of reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from a basketball background though, so I just you know, I think different on those kind of things. Well, I mean, yeah, dude jumps on you, I'm jump in your face and you're gonna eat a little bit afterwards. Like, come on, like I wanna show you up. Like you do any 
any sport that's how it's translating. For some reason in baseball, they just throw temper tantrums. Yeah, it, it, is, it is weird, man. It's weird. But, I mean, hell, you get to see Mike Trout now, you get to see Bryce Harper, so at mm. least the game does have that. They got the kid in uh, New York for the Yankees, so, I mean, talent is still coming through. Always well. It's starting to surge back again, you know. We're starting to see. Well, buddy, I appreciate you calling in. Call us every week if you get a chance to. We'll be on at least every Sunday right now, and Wednesday's coming up shortly. But, yeah, I mean, baseball players, the problem is today they just, I don't know, they were raised. It's their parents, man. It's the way they're, they're coached, the way it's like everybody gets a trophy. And now here they are. You can't show anybody up. And, and that's what I used to do in any sport if I got a chance to. Not every time did I get to. It's not like I was a great athlete. But by God, if I do something good, I let you know about it. I let everybody know about it, and that that really gets under a lot of people's skin. And uh, that's how I that's how I did, Jonathan. You know, you just got to let people know. You piss them off, you get them out of their game, and you move on. I'm not going to try to hurt somebody because they showed me up. But that's a difference. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I've been watching. Uh, you know, the opening, which is the big recruiting thing for college football, and some of these other camps, the Rivals 100 or whatever, they've been they've been putting out highlights, if you will, uh, especially between defensive backs and receivers. And there was one, I can't remember who the DV is now. Um, it was at the Rivals camp, I believe, who decided to just pick up the receiver and body slam him. Oh, jeez. Look, let me just let me just warn anybody right now. If I'm in a stadium and you pull that stunt, I come flying out there and whoop your ass like your daddy should have. Today, I saw Al Blade Jr. who got burnt by the receiver. It was a bad underthrow. The receiver came back for it. Blades managed to break it up. They went down. The receiver is going to get up. Now, they're both laying on the ground. Blades is behind the receiver. Uh, the receiver goes to get up, and Blades shoves him back down onto the ground and gets back up. Look, you want to go play at Miami, son? Do that stunt again on Terry ACL. Real quick. Like, like, I don't know where these kids are getting this. In t- they, it's no longer cocky and fun, right? Now, now, now you're being whiny and aggressive. You know, you, you made a place, you're going to shove a guy. A guy is about to a guy is whooping grass on the place. He body slam him. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to understand what's what's going on now with with this new new wave of football players that are coming out. And I know I'm only five years older than most of them, but y'all a bunch of punk asses. A <laughs> B handle yourself like a grown man for five seconds. You got beat. There's seventy seventy other plays. Big whoop. Don't don't get don't decide to start trying to pick a fight and don't pick a fight with somebody when you ain't looking for it. Like you got his back to you, you gonna pick a fight? Come on! Like go ahead and prove everybody who's soft. <laughs> well, it's just it's just crazy, man. Face, I mean, everything in sports has changed since I was a kid. I'm not a kid anymore. It's been a while, but man. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get into some show where we're talking about, you know, other than sports, but let's go ahead and face it, Jonathan. People 
and Quinn, you, 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 and, you and Jonathan are close to the same age, but the problem with kids these days is their parents, just the way they were raised. And that's the honest truth. Parents don't beat the hell out of their kids like they used to, and, and I'm telling you, it matters. In schools, you can't even touch your child. That's a problem, Jonathan. I mean, Quinn, you, you can – I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here. Kids are raised too soft these days. They're raised with – I mean, like like they can get away with murder. When I was a kid, you smart off the teacher, you get your ass whipped at school and when you get home. Now, they just take it. That That's the problem. And it's going to get worse until something's done, which I don't know what can be done, Jonathan. You tell me. I don't know. You know, the sad part is it's your generation that raised, like, my dad and you were brought the same age. You know, like, yeah. it's, it's generation you were a part of that helped create this. That's the unfortunate reality. Um and, and, yeah, and, and, and it's crazy, Jonathan, it's crazy that that happened because I'm going to be a dad the way, hopefully better than I was parented, but it's not going to be soft. Right. So that's a great point. That's a great point that the people raising these kids the way they are are, ki- are parents that were treated tough by their parents. I bet your dad, I'm not saying he's a bad dad, don't get me wrong, I don't even know your dad, but I'm just saying I bet he's softer on you than his parents were on him. Uh, no, believe it or not. Okay. Well, some yeah, of I know. Them are, Stunning, right? Because it ruins my theory. Well, I mean, he's an outlier, I believe. Because I have the same theory as you, that everybody tempers down from their parents before them as far as how harsh their discipline is, right? You know, whereas, like, yeah. I don't know, um, you know, your, your 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 grandpa probably used to tell your dad to go grab a switch. <laughs> you know, go pick one out, yeah. right? And then, you know, you know, as far as, like, you know, my dad was just pick the belt. And it's like, uh-oh. You know, uh, you know, and it's like, you know, if I, you know, if I have kids, you know, who, who am I lying to? Probably when I have a kid, it's going to be more like, you don't want this newspaper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Quinn, Quinn, tell me what you think it is. I mean, how old are you now, Quinn? Are you 22, 21? I'm 22. 22. How old is your dad? My dad is 55. Okay. So tell me what you think about the kids of today and why they are the way they are. Well, I think you're right. It's about the, the parents more than anything. And I think it's funny because the people your age, the people that are raising their kids are always the ones that complain about people my age. And I find it hilarious because you y'all are the ones that have raised, raised us. Now, I think, I think in some ways, I mean, it's not always the parents' fault. I mean, I think my parents did a pretty good job raising my brothers and sisters, and uh, my oldest sister went through a really rough time with things, and I did too. But, yeah, I think a lot of parents are softer um, are softer, and don't hold their kids accountable. And that's what my parents always did for all four 
for uh, me and then my three other siblings as we were always held accountable for whatever we did. Well, well, Quinn, I've, I've heard people at work and I hear people all the time say, I'm my kid's best friend. And I hear them say, you know, I think the parents are so afraid to be not liked in this world. I mean, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. I'll never be my son's best friend until he's, he's probably out of the house married with kids. That's when you can be a best friend to your kid in a way. But while you're raising a child, you can't be friends with him or her. Yeah, you, have I, to be, you have to be strong with them. You, if you love them, you will whip their ass. That's really the truth. Yeah, what my dad always told me is I'm not always going to be your best friend. There's times where I'll be your bud, but there's going to be times when I'm not going to be your bud, too. I was never buds with my dad. He would beat the hell out of me. You know, he loved me, and that's that's the thing. I I bet if you counted Jonathan and Quinn's spankings in their childhood, I bet I got a lot more. How many did you get, Jonathan? I don't know. I stopped counting when I was like six. <laughs> Come on. But I'm just. But but it's all it's spread down to school, and that's the parents are you know kids will call the police on their parents or something if if they don't get it. But I'm just telling you in yeah. school that's where I think I think the majority of problems with kids come from school. I think it's teachers have no kind of authority anymore. And it's not just Correct. the parents. It's, it's when you're ra- when you're raising a kid, it takes a, a strong school system. It takes and a, and a parent. A parent can't be there all the time with their child. So you can do the best. But if they're not getting it at school, I think they're going to struggle there as well. But I think the problem is teachers can't paddle kids anymore. And I think you've taken God out of school. And you take those two things out, and it's just like these guys just run roughshod over everyone. I saw a video the other day where. Uh, Probably a 16-year-old kid was up screaming and cussing at a teacher, threatening him and stuff. If I'd been that teacher, I'd have thrown him through a chalkboard. But uh, yeah, that that's the kind of thing we see now that we didn't see back then. And I'm older than both of you, and and I'm sure it was it was I'm sure you got paddled in school, didn't you, Jonathan? Was you close to that age? Did you ever get paddled? No. I uh I, I did okay. I did not. I left uh, private school by that um by halfway through kindergarten while I was kicked out halfway through kindergarten. So I didn't get to experience any paddling. Well, kids feel entitled these days. They're not held accountable. Like like when I was a kid, and I'm not saying I'm perfect because you know I'm not. I'm I'm sure my parents could have done better too, or I could have done better. But but the thing is. Kids don't have jobs anymore. I'll give you an example. Like my brother, he's probably 50, 52, 53. He was talking about his son. He's about to turn 16, and he's going to buy him a car. That's number. That's problem number one right there. Why in the hell would you buy a 16-year-old a car? Why not make the 16-year-old go out and get a job and earn the car? That's that's where I have difficulty understanding sometimes is these kids, just because they go to school doesn't mean anything. Just because they play sports doesn't mean anything either. They shouldn't have to work. They don't play sports on weekend in high school. They'll do what I did. They go to Hardee's on the weekend and work and make enough to pay your car payment and insurance. Am I missing something, Jonathan? I mean, that's a big problem to me. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting debate. Um, with that one because 
you know, there's obviously the the part of it that goes, well, if you live in a big enough area, let's say, kind of need a car to go to work, right? And I'll, I'll let you slide a little bit. Like, I get it. Like, look, I didn't get a car until I was 18. I was paying my own car insurance right away. I didn't have a car payment. So, um, you know, so, like, like I, I get it. Like, I've seen the kids who are handed, like, a $50,000 SUV. You know, like, oh, what do you do for a living now? I'm a real estate agent for a mom. Oh, how cute. You know, whereas, you know, people <laughs> who tend to have to work for stuff, um, you work for the first car or something along those lines, you're like, what do you do for a living now? Oh, I'm getting school still, or I'm doing, you know, or you know, they, they've started their career, you know. So it's, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting divide on how that goes. Now, obviously, some of them have, you know, their families have enough money to where they never have to do anything. And those kids, we just kind of wait for, well, for them to slip up. <laughs> well, Quinn, Quinn, did your dad buy you a car? No, well, I don't, I don't have, I don't drive, but my dad bought uh, my two sister, my both my sisters, and uh, my brother their first car. Wow. How how is their work ethic? Would you say like, are they good at uh, work? Do they go to every day? Do they? Well, well, my. Uh, not my oldest sister, but one of my my other older sister. She she's a she's actually a teacher in a, in Boston at a public school, and uh, she she probably has the best worst work ethic out of us four. And she was got oldest? a master's, and no, my oldest sister from about. 15 to now she's 27 she really got her way from 15 to 25 she she had a hard time in life she just fell fell in with the wrong crowd and mm-hmm. uh lived a tough life up until in my in my parent that was the first like experience my parents really had and they tried cracking down but at fit, but yeah, she they they kicked her out of public high school, sent it, sent her to a private school, and she she barely they barely they helped to get her to pass high school. Like she barely passed high school, and then she struggled up until twenty five, until she got in an incident where she realized she needed to straighten her life out, and now she has. Okay. But she's a stay at home mom right now. She uh huh. she yeah. just had a, a kid job. a couple months ago. The hell yeah, that's a, job. a big job. And, yeah. and I'll tell and, you this, Quinn. You, you can't wait until, and this is not your parents. I'm not sure they did that, but I've noticed sometimes you can't lay the, lay the you know, you can't be very firm at the end. You have to be kind of start firm and maybe back off a little bit and maybe come back to firm. But if you ever start out too soft and they get up to that, you can try to – to play hardball with him, and it's not going to work. So I, I mean, I'm I'm going to learn this myself for my son. I'm going to have to learn how to be a dad too, and how to do it right. I'm sitting over here acting like I'm Bill Cosby over here on the Cosby Show, but that, that's so not, you ain't even ready. Not really. Yeah, yeah I know. So I'm going to learn. 
And I'll say this, because when I was little, I got diagnosed with a lot of health issues, and I not many people would be able to handle it the way my parents did, but they did everything to get me to where I'm supposed to be today. There's a lot of kids with a lot of bad parents that don't know when their kid gets diagnosed get some bad diagnosis that don't send them into physical therapy or speech therapy or do all the doctor's appointments and they never develop right. And I got to give a lot of my credit to my parents for getting me diagnosed at three years old with epilepsy and I had permanent brain damage from birth and then uh, a rare connective tissue disorder. And so they got me all the help I needed right away where a lot of kids don't get that and then they never develop yeah. right. Yeah. Well, well, well Quinn, so, you need to thank, thank weigh-in sports too, you know. Over here, the weigh-in sports, you know. You're, <laughs> I'm joking, man. I love talking sports and this is a way to get it out, so. Yeah, and, and we're always here. You see a lot of these shows, they come and go. Jonathan, they're here for a couple months. I remember, what was that, Dan Alley's show or something? They started that lasted <laughs> all of one day. <laughs> yeah, Congratulations, that was my episode. Yeah, Ron, Dan, and Avery, you you made it one day. Thanks to Jonathan, you made it one day. If it hadn't been for Jonathan, nobody would even known it was around, but Jonathan, you really helped that show, but you know, you know what it was. They got jealous of our show, and and uh, but I know, I know some of our regular like chat room people are no longer here, and that's fine. I mean, that's that's fine. We don't see eye to eye, and that's that's good. But I can't let people take over my show. You know, that's the thing. It's, it's mm. our show right here. We, but nobody's gonna take over it. If you don't like the way it's done, go go start you a show. That's the way I look at it. But yeah, is, I mean, you, you know, you know, some of them will be back in September. Oh, that's fine if they're not. I'm good with it. But I mean, as long as people download it and listen, that's all I care about. But the thing is, I'm, we do this because we love it. You know, that's why we do it. We love to talk sports, and I'm, I use this. I don't talk much sports during the week anymore. I don't have time, so I use this as a chance to talk sports, and hopefully, it'll get better and better and better. But you know, starting next week. And this is how we do it in weigh-in sports. We start breaking down the teams. It's getting that time. We wait till after the 4th of July, and we start breaking down some teams and starting to do that because think about it, guys. What are we about, let's see, about eight weeks away, something like that, eight or nine weeks? Eight um, weeks. Um, I think it's eight. It's like 56 days or something, 55 days. We're 55 days out. Yeah. So you yeah, think eight Quinn, more Saturdays. eight weeks. Eight more Saturdays. We just say we have twelve shows. Let's just say that we'll probably have more than that. But it's hard to go over all the major teams in twelve shows and really do it right. And so it's it's time to start. I know a lot of people don't start even talking college football this early, but we do because that's what we do. You know, I even venture maybe, out in some NBA and talk some NBA. Maybe, uh, maybe this year we'll just do divisions. You know how we usually do the three-team rotation. Maybe we'll just maybe just do divisions this year. Yeah, yeah, we could do That'd different division every show. Easier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll just be talking That'd about the same good. teams. 
Yeah, that'd be good. It'd be it'd be easier to follow for us too, and easier to prepare. It is tough when you change teams all the time. At least we can stay in a division. We can we can be consistent. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. a good idea. Let's do the let's do the division starting probably next week or the week after. We'll start doing it. And, I like uh, it. Yeah. Okay, give, give give me the first division you want to talk about. ACC Atlantic. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. that. Virginia Tech. Is that Virginia Tech division? No, no that's, that's Florida State. Florida State. <laughs> Somebody's coughing, Jonathan. You okay? Oh, I'm just dying over here. Don't worry about me. All right. Well, guys, I can't laugh anymore. anymore. We're going we're gonna to get out of here. But, uh, I think we're going to do a show Wednesday night if y'all want to do it. We can do Wednesday night. We can yeah. do the uh, start that conference breakdown. Sure. Why not? Sounds good. All right, guys. We'll be on probably about 7.30 or 8 Wednesday night, probably about 7, 7 or 7.30, right around the same time. But, guys, y'all take care. Have a great week, great show tonight. Two hours flew by, so here we are. So have a great week, and college football is, guys, so close. We're going to start knocking it out now. So we'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and go ahead and tell you Florida State's going to win that division. We're going to talk about Wednesday. But let's see how much they're going to win and buy and who's going to finish the rest of the way. So, guys, take care. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Talk to you Wednesday. Bye, Brian. Bye, Quinn.